The following is a presentation of Hawkeye's Mike, LLC. Three people split out for Iowa. I don't think this is a rundown for the Hawkeyes. Empty backfield. Robinson in motion to the sideline for the end zone. Got a man right over the middle. McNutt, touchdown, Hawkeyes. You talk about consistency. 13 plays, 71 yards, 6 minutes and 54 seconds off the clock. Hello, Hawkeye fans. This is John Patchett, and welcome to the football show from Hawkeye's Mike. The Iowa-Iowa State game highlights are courtesy of ESPN on ABC with Ron Franklin and Ed Cunningham. A workmanlike job calling the game. Franklin's a longtime veteran, and Cunningham is solid. We very much appreciate it and thank them. These football programs come to you following every game during the entire season and are brought to you in part by Prefens Botanicals Hand Sanitizer. One application lasts all day. Try the hand sanitizer the Iowa Hawkeyes use. And by the Marsh Cook Investment Group, Wells Fargo Advisors Financial Network in Coralville. Marsh Cook, for all your investment needs. with an outstanding block. I mean, everyone's just getting great push. Look at the finish of that block there by Alan Reisner, the tight end. I mean, just the white shirts are just getting pushed back two, three, four, five yards. And that time, a couple of them ended up on their backs. On this week's show, you'll have the chance to hear Marv Cook's thoughts and the Reporters' Roundtable segment featuring Hawk Central's Pat Hardy. Hawkeye Insider publisher Rob Howe is off this week. He and his lovely wife are having a baby, so that's a pretty good excuse. Rob should be back next week. You'll hear from the opposing coaches in this coming Saturday's game, Iowa's Kirk Ferentz and Arizona's Mike Stoops. We'll take a look at the Big Ten Conference, and we'll also preview the Iowa-Arizona game. And during the course of the season, we hope to hear from you, the Iowa fan. We invite you to share your comments by calling 866-74-HAWKS. Robinson, left side. No, he keeps it and throws. He fooled me and the Cyclone defense, and Reisner scores the touchdown. Very similar to the play before. Reisner comes back across the formation. Similar in that McNutt went all the way across the field. That time, Reisner gets lost in the wash. A good play fake by the quarterback had the defense completely crossed up. How do you spell domination? Well, for this past weekend at least, it's I-O-W-A. Iowa completely overwhelmed Iowa State 35-7 in Kinnick Stadium last Saturday. Simply put, this was a blowout and an incredibly impressive performance by the Hawks, both offensively and defensively. Iowa's opening drive really set the tone for the entire game. Hawkeye highlights abounded. Among them, quarterback Ricky Stanzi passed for two TDs and also got his first rushing touchdown as a Hawk. Stanzi did not throw any picks. Adam Robinson went over 100 yards for the second week in a row and scored a touchdown. And Jewel Hampton was back for the first time since the 2008 season, turning in a solid performance and also scoring a TD. Defensively, the Hawks were without Norm Parker, but they completely shut the Cyclones down anyway, at least until mop-up time, limiting star running back Alexander Robinson to only 48 yards and intercepting quarterback Austin Arnott three times. 
Iowa's defensive line had only two sacks, but put constant pressure on Arnaud and spent nearly as much time in ISU's backfield as the Cyclone skill players. The streak, however, finally came to an end in the fourth quarter against Iowa's defensive reserves when Iowa State scored its first TD versus the Hawk in 18 quarters. This was also the Hawks' 10th consecutive trophy game victory, counting bowl games, and the third straight win against Iowa State. The Hawks now turn their attention to a potent Arizona Wildcats team in a late evening game in Tucson. Both teams go into that game ranked and undefeated. It will be a key test for Iowa. Great story. Compelling and rich. Hawkeyesmike.com. It's sports talk radio on the internet. Just for you, the Iowa fan. All sports, all Hawks, all the time. Taking a look at post-game notes and key stats, with the win over Iowa State, the Hawks now hold a 39-19 advantage in this series, including winning six of the last eight. Iowa has scored 35 points in each of the last two games and boasts a plus-eight turnover margin in those contests. And the Hawks' defense has held the Cyclones to only 15 points in the last three years. Adam Robinson's 156 rushing yards put him over 1,000 for his Iowa career, while Jewel Hampton rushed for 84 yards in 15 attempts. Senior wide receiver Darrell Johnson Koulianos had five receptions for 65 yards, moving him into fifth all-time in receiving yards and sixth in receptions. The Hawks also scored touchdowns on four of their first five possessions. One of the more amazing stats was the time of possession differential in the first quarter, as Iowa's offense ran 26 plays over 13 minutes and 34 seconds, while ISU was three and out, holding the ball for only a minute 26. Backup quarterbacks Jim Vandenberg and John Winky also saw action. For Winky, it was his first as a Hawk. A lot of backups got playing time in the second half. Key stats. In first downs, Iowa had 20 to ISU's 15. Net yards rushing, 275 for the Hawks, 78 for the Clones. Net yards passing, 204 to 197, Iowa over the Cyclones. Total offensive yards, 479 for Iowa to 275 for Iowa State. Possession time, 35-38 for Iowa, 24 minutes, 22 seconds for the Cyclones. Third down conversions, 6-17 for Iowa State, 7-14 for Iowa. Fourth down, Iowa was 1-1. One one. Red zone scoring chances, Iowa State was 1-3, while the Hawkeyes were 100%, 4-of-4. Four four. Robinson, big open, 5-10, he's in the He's got one man to beat in the foot race, 20-15 at the 10, reverses his field, touchdown! No, they're going to say down at the one-yard line. It's a run of 75 yards, and listen to the crowd booing the official. They thought he got in. How many things have you touched today? Hmm? Ooh, a puppy. <laughs> How many places have your hands been? Ooh, a keyboard. 24-hour hand sanitizer protection just makes sense. Prefins, a silica-based hand sanitizer protects your hands all day. Stays on. Up to 10 washings. Moisturizes. Alcohol-free. And safe for the kids. So go ahead. Touch anything and everything. Ew, a toilet. Prefins. Keep your hands germ-free all day. Visit prefins.com. Time now to hear from the coaches in this Saturday's game. First up, Iowa head coach Kirk Ferentz. 
With Norm Parker still hospitalized and not making the Arizona trip, Ferentz was asked who will fill in for his defensive coordinator. Talking in great detail, you know, we, we've been down this road before, so, you know, we've got a veteran staff. Uh, you know, the guys work really well with each other. And, uh, you know, just like we did last week, you know, everybody picks up the slack. And, uh, you know, we certainly miss him. You know, we all feel better when he's with us on a daily basis, but... Uh, if he can't be, uh, you know, we just go, everybody works together and gets it done. And, you know, the guys did a great job last week. I expect that in the future, too. It's like when a, a player gets hurt, you know, you have to you push through. So that's what we're doing. And all of us are most concerned about him being healthy. And then secondly, uh, you know, on our wish list is getting him back as fast as possible. But we're not going to compromise one for the other. And whenever he gets back, whether it's days, weeks, or months, or a year, I mean, you know, I don't think we're talking about that. But if it got to that, that's what it'll be. Kirk was asked, in Parker's absence, how important is it that he has a veteran defense? It, it's really important on every every level. You know, we have a pretty veteran group on in playing out there on the field, which is important. And we got a veteran staff too, so it's uh, it, it, we won't we won't have any excuses for not playing well this week. Really, man, he's been here for some wins and losses, and we're, we're better with him. I know that. Following two decisive wins to open the season, Ferentz was asked if he welcomes the challenge of facing Arizona. Yeah, uh, you know, it's a little bit like uh, like them. I'm, I'm I'm not sure. I'm you know, none of us really know how good we are at this point. So this is going to be a heck of a test. And uh, regardless of who we played the last two weeks or who they played, you know, they're an excellent football team. You know, we hope to be a good team, and uh, you know, we're certainly we're going to learn a lot about our football team this week. So it's going to be it's a challenge in all areas, and including special teams. They've got some really good specialists as well. So. Uh, we're going to have to be at our absolute best to have a chance in this one, and that's that's you know, that's a challenge at hand for us right now. Ferentz talks about how he will adjust the schedule and approach to playing the Arizona game late at night in the desert. We'll treat this like the Penn State trip last year. I know we're going in a different direction, but, uh, you know, I didn't take geography in fifth grade, uh, and I got an A in it, too. I'm proud of that. Okay. And, uh, but, you know, we... we, we uh, and we practice a couple times in camp a little bit later than normal just to, you know, okay, this is what it's going to be like. And I think, you know, again, uh, college college kids tend to, you know, thrive at that hour, 9 o'clock, whereas, you know, the older people like me, we're probably going to be at our worst, but that's, uh, that's just how it goes. So, you know, we'll just kind of treat it like a night game road trip. We'll go down there. We won't meet with the guys on Friday night, and then we'll meet on Saturday and uh, hang around and wait like you do any night game. You know, just be a little bit longer, that's all. Kirk was asked if he's surprised at how quickly his offensive line seems to be gelling. It, it's been a bright spot if, if there's been a bright spot this year. It, in that, you know, we expected that. I think we expected the progress may be a little slower. It doesn't mean we're out of the woods. We're hardly out of the woods. This is going to be a heck of a test this week, starting with their two ends. These guys are veteran players that are really good players, uh, both likely to be all Pac-10 guys. So, you know, it's going to be a real test for us. But, but, but I like the way the guys have worked. I think their attitude's been good. And, you know, when I referred to the uh, the other day about our execution in the game being better than in practice, you know, we're playing better on Saturday than we're practicing during the week with the offensive line. A lot of that's just, you know, it's timing and, you know, it takes, takes time. So, you know, the good news is that group will continue to get better, I think, dramatically as we go along. You know, we'll know a lot more here in, a, in another couple of weeks where we're at, but at least I think they're on the right, they're on the right path. Barron's talks about his concerns about the struggles the Hawks had on kickoff coverage against Iowa State. Yeah, and, and you can throw punt coverage in there too. You know, we, we opened the door on that one too. But our, our kickoff coverage, it was reminiscent of Minnesota two years ago, which was non-existent up there. And, uh, you know, we, were, we got it straight for the bowl game, but we had a month and we don't have a month this time. So, 
yeah, it was pretty pathetic the other day. I mean, it was really bad. And I'm not, I'm not discrediting. They, they did a nice job. They did what they're supposed to do, and we certainly, you know, let them get some big plays, and that's not good. You know, we're, we're, we better be, uh, you know, the monsters of the midway on defense. Yeah, if we try that on Saturday, too, we'll be down by about 28 points in the first half. You know, usually you can cover for one guy, but when a couple guys don't do things right, it just it's not a good thing. Ferentz talks about the Arizona team's speed and defense. Yeah, I mean, these guys are faster everywhere. They're fast up front, linebackers, and in and, and the back end. So it's the tempo of everything this, this Saturday is going to be pretty quick. These guys are very athletic. They're very athletic and get good size, too, but they're very athletic. They can all run, and we're going to have to be really sharp and precise, really make sure we're, we're smart about what we're doing. And Kirk reminisces about the Stoops brothers at Iowa. All three of them had different personalities. The common denominator with all three of them on the field was they were all extremely smart, smart football players. I'm guessing they would self-describe themselves as uh, being a little small on the small side and, and maybe not the fastest guys, but they were all smart and heady and pretty much fearless out there. I remember, you know, Bob, Bob jumped out at me right away. I mean, Bob was like a coach on the field. And then Mike was kind of an emotional uh, guy, and the player I remember with him is uh, he and John Frank meeting on a hash mark down there, and uh, that would have been 83, I believe, right? 83, I think it was on that right hash. He was running like a seam route, and boom, that was uh, one of the most uh, tenacious hits I've seen. And then Mark, you know, I kind of missed Mark's, the, the brunt of his career, but the thing I remember about Mark was him sitting in there with Bill Brazier and Bill and the staff meeting later on saying, you know, if it wasn't a stoop, something, you know, I thought I was talking to a 14-year-old kid, but he, Mark was a senior in high school. And then he came here and had a great career too. So, you know, all those guys were, were excellent football players. And, but, they, you know, they're smart players, not just good players, but really smart players. Arizona head coach Mike Stoops discusses the Iowa team that his Wildcats face this week. You know, strengths, they have so many, but uh, their offense and defensive line is a great uh, place to start, and that gives you a chance to do a lot of different things on both sides of the ball. And that's where uh, they certainly excel uh, and uh, present some some challenges uh, for us in uh, a lot of different uh, areas. So uh, it should be a, a tremendous game thought we had some scoring opportunities a year ago and just weren't quite good enough to get it done. They played more consistently throughout that game. Uh, I think we had a first and goal on the one and couldn't score. We tried a fake field goal. That didn't work. And then we had a couple sluggo routes that were open we couldn't get. We just weren't good enough to protect. We have to be able to convert and find some ways to, to move the football. And then defensively, this will be, you know, uh, far and away the best offensive line we've seen and, and the best quarterback we've seen, uh, you know, all year. So uh, uh, Stanzi is a tremendous player. Uh, he runs their offense very efficiently, and they do a great job in uh, run, run, play, action, boot. Try to hit big plays, hit a lot of over routes. So uh, we're going to, you know, have to be sharp uh, really all the way around. Stoops talks about the play of his star wide receiver, Jerron Kreiner. Jerron is a guy that's just coming into his own as a player. Uh, was He was just a redshirt sophomore, or a true sophomore last year. That was his maybe, what, uh, 13th or 14th game. Uh, that's still a, a relatively young player in, in our estimation, and I think he grew through last year uh, to, to, to become a better player than what he is you know, right now. So uh, he's a guy that knows he has to, he has to be a factor in, in, in our schemes, and uh, we need to get him involved and get him as many touches as we can. Uh, so 
you know, he's he's just developed uh, in, in all aspects of his game. Stoops was asked about his quarterback, Nick Foles. Well, I think there's probably uh, a lot of similarities to uh, Stanzi uh, there at, uh, at Iowa. I think quarterback is obviously the most difficult position on the field to play. Uh, he has to make uh, a lot of decisions in a very short period of time. And I just think experience is there's no substitute for experience. And that certainly is the case with Nick. He grows every time he steps on the field. He still has a ways to go, but uh, he's a very accurate uh, quarterback. Uh, his decision making continually improves. And, um, you know, those are the things that you, you hope. And Nick has shown, uh, and Matt uh, to that case, have shown significant improvement in their ability to make, uh, you know, better decisions. Stoops was asked if he approaches this Iowa game differently than a typical game. I don't know. I think you're, these games, you don't have to say a lot. <laughs> you know, it makes your job pretty easy. I don't, I don't have any worries about our team being ready to play. And now, you know, being good enough, being creative enough, coaching good enough, uh, that's what we have to do and, and get them as prepared as we can. Uh, we're going to have to put some change-ups in there uh, on both sides of the ball and try to create some, some different looks defensively. We're going to have to move around and, and give them a couple different looks. So uh, I think we add, we have to add a little more uh, than, than maybe we'd like to, to try to change up you know, what we're doing. Uh, to try to get their, their quarterback a little off balance and, and hopefully create some formations that give us an advantage somewhere uh, offensively. Mike Stoops was questioned about whether he thinks his Wildcats are where they should be after their first two games. I think they, they served a great purpose for us. I, I think they helped us in a lot of ways. Um, we all know that uh, this is a different style of offense we're going to see. It's not going to be east and west. This game's going to be north and south when they have the ball. So, uh, again, it's a, it's a different uh, style of game. But, again, I, I think we're healthy. We didn't get stressed too much in those first two games. We ought to be relatively fresh. Uh, and that, that's good. That's what you want to be, uh, mentally and physically ready to compete against a, a top-tier team. Uh, without a lot of stress prior. So, uh, again, this, this is, you know, I think we're in a good position. Uh, this is going to be a much faster, much more violent game than we've had, though. Stoops was asked if he's glad the whole Iowa thing has been put to rest. Yeah, I mean, there's just a, you know, that last year was, was fun. It's good. But, you know, really, I think any, any coach would tell you once the ball is kicked, it's, it's really insignificant who you're playing uh, sure, it has meaning and I have great, uh, you know, I just, I love their program and what they do, but uh, I, I work at Arizona now and, you know, that's my alma mater and I, I wish them great success in everything they do except for <laughs> Saturday. Stoops was also asked if he's concerned about how his team will react when it faces adversity for the first time this season. Not really. I mean, uh, you're going to have adversity in all games. Uh, so no matter what they are, but uh, again, uh, uh, we'll see. And this team is, uh, yeah, we, I guess we haven't gone through much, but uh, uh, we bounced back against Toledo after kind of stalling out. So I don't, I don't know. We'll, we'll, I think you find that out, uh, and that's part of the maturing process. So uh, again, I'm, you know, I'm confident that we're a strong football team all the way through. And uh, each year, hopefully, you get stronger as a, as a team. And uh, 
we'll certainly see because, uh, you know, obviously the games are going to be a lot different here the rest of the way out. And as Stoops talks about Iowa head coach Kirk Ferentz. Well, obviously he's a you know a great guy to work for. He's got you know he's kept great stability. I think within his his uh, coordinators, I think have both been there his entirety of his or pretty close uh, to his time there. Uh, so you know obviously they like you know working there, and then uh, I think he develops players uh, very well. Uh, I think he has a great rapport. Uh, with his players. Uh, I think he coaches offensive line. His expertise shows in, in what they do. Uh, and that's probably where, you know, those are all areas that he probably tries to help his team. I, I just think because of, uh, you know, who he is. Um, but uh, again, they, they've done a great job, I, th- I think, of just developing players, play with an attitude. They, they're consistent uh, in what they do. So. They, you know, he does a lot of good things. That's why he gets paid all that money. Robinson down the First, a 54-yard strike to the tight end, Reisner. And then on the very next play, Robinson takes it the distance. 97 yards in three plays, using only one minute and 20 seconds. Call in and express your opinions about the Hawks. To make your voice heard on HawkeyesMike.com, call toll-free 866-74-HAWKS and join our guest experts on weekly podcasts. We welcome back former Hawkeye and NFL star Marv Cook for his weekly stint on Hawkeye's Mike. Sean Patchett visits with Marv. A very impressive performance against Iowa State, both offensively and defensively. It was. There's actually some good style points in there too. I thought, uh, you know, they did they did some things. I thought after the fact that were pretty impressive, taking shots down the field and making big plays offensively. So it was there was never a doubt during the whole course of the game who, who was the better team. Uh, talking about the defense, what is it about Norm Parker's defense that made it so effective against the Cyclones? Is it primarily personnel this year, or do you think it's more the scheme itself? I think it's a combination of personnel and the scheme. I mean, if you do something over and over and over again, and, and you know exactly where you need to be and when you need to be there, it's tough It's tough for an offense to execute. And uh, when you have the personnel that Iowa has, that when they get there, they can also make the tackle in open fields and, and do things like that. It just makes it that much more effective. So. I think it's a it's the steadiness of it. I think that's why when he is out, they don't miss a beat. One, because the continuity of the staff, they've been together a long time. They know what everybody else is thinking, and and then ultimately, you know, because they are pretty standard in what they do, they're pretty consistent in what they do. They just do extremely well. It doesn't look like the defense has missed a beat with the younger linebackers, and the D line just continues to be so dominant and physical. That's exactly what's been going on. We control the line of scrimmage. They can't run the ball. They're forced into third and longs, third and mediums, and you know it's a statistical game. And, and you know those are those are you know plays that are, are tough to overcome. So if you can control the line of scrimmage, which we've been able to do, uh, it makes it very difficult on offense. And, and I was shocked because I thought Iowa State would be able to run the ball a little more effectively and put are not in a better position to help move the chains and they just weren't able to get it done. And then the other thing is, is when, not, when Iowa got the ball, they didn't give it back. I mean, they ate clock up and scored and 
uh, pretty impressive. Yeah, touching on that, from the first series, Iowa's offense just came out. They controlled everything. They were extremely physical. They had an unbelievable time of possession advantage going into the second quarter. ISU literally had only one offensive series, and it lasted only four plays. That's exactly right. You know, I was, it was workmanlike offensively. You know, they were just moving the chains, making plays, um, uh, converting on third downs, and, and, and Robinson was just running extremely hard. I mean, he had a great game, and obviously it's a tribute to the offensive line the way they were doing it, but it, that's demoralizing as an offense when you're not even on the field hardly uh, in the full, whole first half, and then when you are, you're, you're very, very ineffective. Offensively, it's clearly Stanzi's team. Overall, how critical is his leadership to the offense? I, I think that there's a, a calming influence with him that, you know, even last year with, with a lot of the key turnovers and mistakes, he, he, he kept his composure at all times. I mean, the guy's so level-headed and, and disciplined in what he's doing that I think that, that helps an offense, you know, know that through tough times he's still going to be able to make a play for him. And then he just, his, his execution was incredible. I mean, he threw the long ball about as good as I've ever seen at Iowa. I mean, just the, the touch and, and positioning out there. And it was kind of breezy that day. So very, very impressive performance by Ricky Stanzi. And, uh, you know, just great to see, start seeing some of those longer plays, the big plays that uh, Iowa needs to be effective. Uh, there's been considerable talk about Stanzi's improved mechanics, especially working on making his release quicker. Can you explain and talk about that? Well, I, I think, you know, obviously those are things you're working on in the offseason. You try to, to fine-tune them and, and make them better. But, I mean, Iowa's a play-action team. I mean, they want to run the ball and then play action off of it. So, you know, the quick release and all that other stuff really doesn't come into play as much as if you, if you do if you're running the quick game, the, you know, the West Coast-type offense. So. You know, I think obviously he's trying to be a perfectionist and trying to do things extremely well, but um, ultimately I think he's uh, uh, doing everything he needs to be doing to, to you know, be a, an effective quarterback for this offense. Uh, you talked about Adam Ronson a little bit. Both him and Joel Hampton looked good. As a coach, would you continue pretty much an even rotation between those two, or would you start each game that way and then tend more towards the hot hand as one developed? Well, I mean, I think, I, I think you... They're different. They're they're similar but different runners, and I think, you know, Robinson's making a case that he doesn't want to give up the starting position, and, and, and I don't. You know, the guy's been about as effective as you can be the last 15 games for Iowa. So, it's just I think you, you have a guy like Jewel Hampton that's all, also another weapon that we have offensively that you got to get snaps, you've got to get him selective carries, and and so I just think you've got to have a, a certain structure of you know here's when Hampton's going to get in the game on these plays on this series. Here's what Robinson's going to do when he's in. And then ultimately, you need that kind of depth in the Big Ten. You need to have two great running backs, even three sometimes. So, um, you know, I think it's just you're going to see Jewel Hampton getting more and more involved in the offense, but nothing against Robinson. It's just the fact that they feel like they need both of them in the, in the game. If there was one weakness on Saturday, it seemed to be kickoff coverage. Kirk mentioned in his press conference that you can casually cover up, you know, one missed assignment, but it gets a two or three, you have a chance of getting burned. As a coach, how do you go about fixing that? You, you have to drill it, and that's hard because it's a full speed, full contact drill to get it drilled, and you don't want injuries and everything, but yet, you know, some of those guys, that's their only plays. I mean, they're special teams guys, and they've got to learn to become proficient at that, at that skill, and, and you've got to learn how to, to, to run around certain blocks and take on certain blocks and when to do so, and then ultimately being able to get off blocks at the right time. So. You know, those are drill things that you can work. You can do half line drills and, and, and half uh, speed drills as far as recognition and things like that. But it, it's tough. And, and ultimately, you just need 11 of the 
toughest guys walking around campus to cover those things for you because it's a tough, tough uh, special teams. Well, turning to the Arizona game this weekend, the only game between two ranked teams, uh, clearly Iowa's toughest test yet. It is, and uh, you know, I'm, I'm you know, the, the toughest part about it is just the travel and going west and staying. You know, you got to spend all day in a hotel room, and they're going to probably have to do walkthroughs and study halls and all that stuff. But it's a long day watching college football and then knowing we're not tipping off, you know, kicking off until late in the night. That's the hardest part of it. I think ultimately it's still just, you know, X's and O's and blocking and tackling. And, and from that standpoint, I think Iowa's got the depth and the, uh, the talent to, to, to manage the game. But, you know, Arizona's a team that if they get out in front of you, they, they run a unique system offensively. You know, not, not unique, but they're athletic and they can do some things. That if they get you down, they can put you away. Um, so it's just going to be imperative that Iowa does kind of what they did last week, is control the ball, control the line of scrimmage, offensively and defensively, and, and keep Arizona's offense off the field and then execute on offense and make some plays. You talked about heading out west. Uh, the Hawks haven't had a very good record out west the last few trips. Everyone's talking about how difficult it is for a Midwest team to play out there, uh, especially a night game as late as it starts. As a player, both in college and when you were a pro, how significant is that factor heading out there, and what specifically did you do to prepare? Well, you know, I think someone said the last time Iowa won in the Pacific time zone was in 87, which I can't believe. One, it's it, we never go west, hardly. I mean, that's, you know, we go we go east to the Orange Bowl and Tampa and stuff like that. So, you know, it's just it's just a long day is what it is. It's a, the travel's not a problem. It's the long day, the hotel room, sitting in a room and, and having some structure during the course of the day that leads into the game at night. That's the most difficult. It's not that the Hawks haven't played at night, because they have. It's just, you know, playing on the road at night is a little bit different, because like I said, you're out of your own own home element. You're in a hotel room. It's, it's different routine, and that's the biggest part of it. But ultimately, I mean, other than just having a beautiful stadium with the mountain backdrop and everything like that, it's still just a, it's a football game. You know, they're going to talk about dry heat. I'm telling you, it's nothing compared to humidity. There's nothing worse than playing in a humid day versus you know, 105, and then actually it'll probably be chilly at game time because it gets chilly in the desert. So, you know, from a heat standpoint or road standpoint, it's just the, the late kickoff is going to be the biggest aspect of it. All right, Arizona is viewed as having one of the better offenses in the Pac-10, a lot of speed, big wideouts, more focus this year on passing. What does Iowa's defense have to do to cope with the Wildcats? Well, just make them predictable, you know, force them to have to throw. And if we can make them one-dimensional, I think it's going to be a huge advantage for our defense. And then ultimately, you know, getting, uh, you know, the D-line and, and being able to pin their ears back and come after the quarterback is going to be the critical thing. If you can make a team one-dimensional, you got a good chance. Now, they do have some skilled players. That's, what, that's one of the things we said we got to be careful of. But... You know, we, we, we face skilled players. Michigan's got skilled players. Penn State's got skilled players. And ultimately, it's, it's, a, it's a game up front. It's a, it's a game of wills up in the trenches. And, and if we can control that, which I think we wholeheartedly should and, and will, it, it's so much more difficult for them to do things execution-wise on offense. How concerned are you about Norm Parker's absence in terms of how it might impact both the defensive preparations during the week and the play on Saturday You know, Iowa, we talk about how basic they are at times, but they, I mean, they are doing some different things and different stems and coverages and things like that. But, you know, that staff's been together for so long that, you know, they all kind of know what's going on and, and, and what the routine is. And, and I'm sure Norm's still getting the message of what he thinks and sees from game films and things like that. So, you know, it's a matter of just the players going out and executing the game plan and, and, and being in the right position. I mean, I, obviously it's an extra set of eyes during the course of the week. 
that's not seeing him practice, not seeing the preparation, things like that. But wholeheartedly, I'm assuming he's still watching film and getting, you know, his perceptions of what they're going to try to do to us and and uh, getting that related to the team. So, uh, you know, the other coaches are very, very, um, you know, up to the task. And I'm sure that, uh, you know, like I said, I think we've seen no drop-offs the first two weeks. All right. Are you surprised about how quickly Iowa's offensive line seems to be developing this season? Well, I mean, we got to be careful with that a little bit. I mean, it's Eastern Illinois and Iowa State. I, I'm not convinced that those are two of the top-tier teams up front yet uh, from an athletic standpoint. So, you know, I think, you know, it's still a work in progress. I think they were two great opening games for us to let our offensive line start to gel and get their timing down and their, and their teamwork down. But this will be a better test. I mean, this will be a better test of how we can protect, how we can run block, uh, how we handle twist and things like that. So, you know, it, it was a good two-game opener for us, but yet before we say, you know, everything's great and Hawkeye land and the offensive line's, you know, a finely tuned unit, we need to kind of hold off for a couple more weeks on that. How big a factor do you think going up against Iowa's defensive line in practice has on their development? I think a lot. I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, it's if, you, if you're doing half-line drills or you're doing good against good and, and, you know, in some of those drills, what you know, it's tough. And it can either break you or make you better. And you're forced to either decide to pick it up and get better or uh, look bad in practice. And so, you know, I think that those things only help you become better and more physical. And, and the more they do that, the more they practice like that, the better off you're going to be. Do you think the Hawks will come out trying to pound the ball, or do you think they're going to stay more balanced at the outset? Um, I, I think you'll see balance. I mean, I think they've got a great amount of confidence in Ricky Stanzi, and I think they're very comfortable with letting him throw the football. And, you know, we've seen games last year where they'll let him throw it 40, 45 times if they need to. So I think they're very comfortable either way. But obviously, I think they want to establish the run. Uh, obviously, keep a great, Arizona, great, great offense like Arizona off the field would be ideal. But... Uh, you know, wholeheartedly, I think you'll continue to see some balance, but uh, our, our passing game ultimately is best when it's coming off the play action. Other than what we've discussed, do you have any other keys to the game, and what is your prediction? Just, you know, I mean, the last time they went down to Arizona, I mean, they got thumped, and that was a good class. That was Matt Roth and a bunch of other great football players, and, and it's a preparation thing. It's a mindset, and, you know, you got to go down there with the with, – you know, knowing that you did everything Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday that you need to do to get ready. And, you know, that's the biggest concern for me is just a late kickoff and, um, you know, the, the preparation going into that and, you know, make sure they're not laying around in their beds all day watching college football. And they actually got to get up and move around and get in a routine. And then, you know, as they get into their, you know, three or four hour process pregame meal with a meal and, and meetings and things like that and, and team chapel, chapel or something. But th then you got to lock in. And, and once you lock in and you get in that game mode, you know, okay, it becomes a routine. And then you know, okay, kickoff must be about an hour and a half from now. And they'll be ready. So uh, just keeping Arizona's athletes on the sideline and, and getting after it and getting physical. And if we do that, I think we're going to be sitting pretty good. Any idea for a final score? I, I, think, I think it's going to be a pretty dominant performance. I mean, I think the physicality of Iowa is going to – what we're going to find is going to be throughout the course of the season is going to be a key factor in a lot of games against some of these teams that have great talent, but they don't have the physical nature in their offensive and defensive line that Iowa has. So, I mean, I think we'll beat them by 20, 20, 21 points. Let this be a reminder to you all that this organization will not tolerate failure.
In our Big Ten Notebook this week, going into week two of the 2010 season, the Big Ten now has five teams ranked among the top 25 for the first time since 2008. The Big Ten and the SEC are the only conferences with five top 25 teams in both polls. Ohio State, Iowa, Wisconsin, and Michigan, along with Penn State, are all ranked for the Big Ten. The conference also has seven teams that are still unbeaten, with several impressive wins, and that does not include Penn State, which lost last Saturday at Alabama. In its weekly college football power rankings, Rivals.com has the Big Ten leading the nation with five players currently listed at number one at their positions, and that does not include Adrian Claiborne at defensive end. There was considerable discussion among conference coaches this week about the spread offense and an apparent movement towards more mobile quarterbacks. That was triggered in part by the incredible performance of Michigan's quarterback Denard Robinson, as well as the play of Ohio State's Terrell Pryor and Northwestern's Dan Percy. Even Kirk Ferentz indicated that if Iowa had a QB with the right skill set, it could move that way. However, there is also growing evidence, as the Big Ten Network's Gary DiNardo insists, that the best high school quarterbacks do not want to play at colleges that run spread offenses. They prefer the more traditional styles played, for example, by Iowa and still Ohio State, because they see that as their best shot in preparing for the NFL. Stay tuned. There have already been some key injuries to conference players. Purdue's senior receiver Keith Smith is out for the season. He was the Big Ten's leading receiver in 2009. And Ohio State has lost their starting safety, C.J. Barnett, also likely for the year. While Iowa and Arizona play in the only game in the nation with two ranked teams this weekend, the Big Ten does have some other big games. Michigan State hosts Notre Dame and Arizona State plays at Wisconsin. Iowa's opponent for next week, Ball State, travels to Purdue. Incidentally, last week's Michigan-Notre Dame game telecast on NBC had 7 million viewers. That's the most for any Irish game since back in 2007 when they played then-top-ranked USC. Perhaps another example of why the conference and Notre Dame both might benefit from the Irish joining the Big Ten. It will be interesting to see what the ratings are for this Saturday's Michigan State-Notre Dame game. Bernard intercepted, and that is Nielsen. Tyler Nielsen, the junior out of Humboldt, Iowa. Turnover number three. Well... This is, uh, this is just turning into another nightmare day for Austin Arnaud. Last year, he threw four interceptions in this ballgame, and, and he just locks into the left the entire time. Hawkeye's Mike is always interested in and encourages listener feedback. Help make us better. Please provide us with your comments and suggestions for programs, guests, and topics by emailing feedback at hawkeyesmike.com or by calling toll-free 866-74-HAWKS. Time now for our Reporters Roundtable this week with Pat Hardy. Again, Rob Howe's off. You can read Pat's articles and columns in the Iowa City Press Citizen and on Hawk Central. You can check out Rob's features at HawkeyeInsider.com. Sean Patchett talks with Pat about last week's game and this Saturday's contest. Well, complete domination. Not what many expected to see last Saturday. Are the Hawks living up to the hype so far? And these fast starts, you know, they're different from the recent past. Oh, I think Iowa's definitely living up to the hype. And I think the fast starts, like you said, are different because Iowa has a history of being a work in progress under Ferentz and a team that sometimes maybe maybe needs a little bit of time to get going, especially on offense. But 
this year everything's been clicking. They've been stretching the field. I, I think against Iowa State, we saw just how balanced they can be on offense. I mean, if it wasn't Robinson or Hampton running between the tackles, they were throwing a McNutt or Darrell Johnson, Koulianos, and you really saw the diversity of this offense. So yeah, they've lived up to expectations, but I, and this is kind of what I'm writing for the Arizona column, don't, if things come out, and they, let's say they come out and struggle against Arizona, and, they, and if they happen to lose, I think Iowa fans need to not read too much into that game. They need to know and in the past that they've done things before that didn't look good one night and you start to wonder about them and then three weeks later you're like, wow, I can't believe that's the same team that did that against Arizona or something. Most people seem to think Iowa State is going to be a decent team. How do you explain a game like this? It's just um, sometimes things like that happen. I think Iowa State has a chance to be a decent team, but I don't think Iowa State has a chance to win maybe more than six or seven games. Iowa State's not going to beat Texas. They're not going to beat Oklahoma. I mean, they're a decent mid-level team that was playing in Iowa City on a day when Iowa happened to be clicking. I mean, sooner or later, you play these guys every year, sooner or later, Iowa's going to hit a day where they were just really on a roll. And that was this day. I mean, lots of times in the past, Iowa has won the game or not won the game and played just poorly, flat, whatever. This wasn't the case this year, and it makes me wonder. I think they have good senior leadership on this team, and I think that game maybe says maybe a little bit more about Iowa right now than it does Iowa State, but the thing about Iowa State is they may have a worse record than last year and end up being a better team, but their schedule's a lot tougher. The entire offense and Stanzi, they seem to be a lot more efficient so far this year. Yeah, Stanzi definitely. I mean, I believe he's completing 70% of his passes, no interceptions, has had tons of time to throw, and I think that's another key to this season so far has been the offensive line to me has been a pleasant surprise. I didn't think they would be a weakness, but I didn't think they would be this good this early. And I think, like I said, against Iowa State, they were balanced on offense and they showed that they can stretch the field. And that's when you got all that going, you're pretty tough to beat. Can you talk a little bit about the running backs? Well, they're diverse. I mean, they're similar in size, and you might even say that they're similar in running styles, but I, I, they both have their own little way about going about getting yards and what have you. And I think a lot of Iowa fans were kind of just assuming that Jewel Hampton would just kind of eventually is going to move in there and be the starter. I don't think Adam Robinson's going anywhere. If he stays healthy, I think he has a chance to be the all-time leading rusher at this school. I mean, right now, he's for a kid who's three, two games into his sophomore season. I mean, he is just... He's really playing well. He does all the little things that endear him to the coaches and then keep him in there under all situations. They can use him in passing situations, but I like them both. And the other nice thing is I think they can get to the point where use those guys 15 to 25 times a piece and maybe throw the ball 20 times. A, that's perfect balance in what Iowa wants to do. Uh, granted, it's against Eastern Illinois and Iowa State, but. Uh, can you talk a little bit about the apparent development of the offensive line? As I was saying earlier, to me that's been the biggest surprise of the season so far has been how well the offensive line has meshed and how physical it's been. James Ferentz and Marcus Zusevitz and right now redshirt freshman Nolan McMillan who's probably going to IC alternating at guard with um, junior Adam Geddes now that he's back from injury. I, to me, they have really been more physical than I thought they would be. Iowa State's defense and Eastern Illinois' defense were by no means stellar, but Iowa went out and did what it should do against teams like that. They dominated the line of scrimmage, and to me, that's been the big key so far. Uh, as expected, the wideouts really came into the game plan Saturday. Yeah, and I think you might even see Darrell have a bigger role against Arizona. Darrell seems to really emerge in games where there's great speed on the other teams and where it's a big stage. You look at Ohio State, very physical, obviously very talented team, and Darrell stole the show with a kickoff. It just seems like the better the competition, the better he gets. And I think the Eastern Illinois game, I'm not saying he was going through the motions or whatever. They just didn't use him much, and he didn't seem to care. But if you notice, he started to make a bigger role last week, and he's going to break one of these kicks. And it's, I, th I just see Darrell having a big play against Arizona.
While Norm Parker missed the game, he did put the game plan in place. Talk about the play of Iowa's defense last Saturday. It's been what I expected. I mean, they've, I mean, Claiborne's been double teamed a lot, and I think what you're seeing is more depth now with Mike Daniels. They don't have any break. They have no letdown when Mike Daniels comes in there. They can alternate him, and that gives all these guys a chance to rest to where fatigue's never going to be an issue. And you're starting to see LeBron Daniel play in the second quarter now he's starting to he's not in that five-man rotation but like Kirk Ferentz said the other day he's their sixth guy and they're starting to trust him more he's more aware of what's going on so they I mean you could realistically say that they've got six linemen that they can use in crunch time and that's huge it's going to be huge in this game um, Saturday because fatigue shouldn't be a problem if the guy if one of those tackles gets tired they can come out and then if Christian Ballard can go in and play and he can play on the outside so depth and versatility are two great things about the line. Uh, has anything really surprised you about the defense this year? Not really. I mean, I, that I would say we it's too early yet. Let me see this Arizona game, and if they come out and dominate Arizona the way they did these last two games on the road, then I'll say that maybe the defense is even. I thought maybe the defense would have a little growing pains in passing situations or what have you, but right now, for the most part, all facets of the defense have been playing well. If you look at that Iowa State game, Jeff Tarpinion had a great game at middle linebacker. So right now, this team to me, in a lot of ways, offensive line and defense is showing that maybe it doesn't rebuild right now, it's reloading. Maybe this is like we're just witnessing a really good time of Iowa football. Let's focus on the Arizona game. How have the first two games helped prepare the Hawks for this one? Well, it's given them confidence. It's given them confidence and a lot of, let a lot of guys play and what have you. And I don't think it's given them a false sense of confidence or security either because I think Kirk Ferentz is pretty good at that. And he can remind them about that 0-4 game when a very good Iowa team went down there and just got humiliated. So if they lose to Arizona, I, I'll say that the road trip may have a little bit to do with it. But I think, and the players all agree, too much is being made of the intangibles leading into this game. If they lose to Arizona, it's going to be because Arizona's a good team. A lot of people think Arizona might win the Pac-10 this year. If this was a, if they were going up to Washington State to play Washington State, the road trip, we wouldn't give, be given, saying anything about the road trip because you, you knew they would beat Washington State because it's a bad team. This is a good Arizona team, so Iowa's going to have to play as well as it did against Arizona last year at home to win this game. All right, Norm Parker missed the entire week of practice. He won't make this trip. What do you think the continued absence of Norm means for the defense, especially given Arizona's potent offense? Oh, I mean, it obviously doesn't help. I mean, he's a stabilizing force, but I think from an X's and O's standpoint, the players know what to do. I mean, Norm's not going to be out there making tackles. He's not going to be out there yelling from the sideline, go hit him or something. I think they're going to be okay. It's just another, I don't know how you want to put it, but like I said, a stabilizing force. There's a sense of security when your leader's there and whatever. So they're going to have to come over. They're going to have to overcome it more from an emotional standpoint, I think, from an X's and O's standpoint. They know what they have to do to win this game. They know their assignments. So it's just going to be a matter of executing. And in a way, you might use Norm's situation. They could use it as motivation and say, hey, let's win another one for Norm, you know? And so you just don't know how, that's, how the players are going to react to that. What do you expect to see out of the offense this week, especially facing Arizona's strong D-line? Establish the run game early and often. I think they will try that throughout the game, even if it doesn't work. And then I think you're going to see Stanzi do his normal thing in the pocket. I, I think if it's Iowa has their way, it'll be a 70-30 run pass. If they can get away with Stanzi completing 15 of 23 or 4 passes for 200-some yards and a couple of times, that'd be perfect. But they need to rush for at least 150 yards in this game, I think, to really have a serious chance of winning it. Two most important players for Iowa Saturday night? Stanzi, I can say that for any big game on the road. And I'm going to say either one of the two running backs. 
I, the offensive line, they're going to have some issues at times, but one of those two running backs needs to take it upon himself, even if there's not great blocking, and just have a game to where Iowa can move the change consistently on the ground. Because if they can do that, then that's going to take a lot of spirit out of Arizona, keep the Arizona offense off the field, and just be Iowa when they start doing that, when they start making first downs with a somewhat mixture of the run and throw but mostly the run you can just see the confidence grow they're like wow we're doing what we want to do and this is going to be our game so i think stanzi i think the defense will take care of itself they're going to have some issues at times but i don't if they lose this game i don't think it's going to be because the defense gets blown out i think it's going to be because they have turnovers and because the offense can't run two most important players for arizona Nick Foles and let's just say one of their defensive line players. I mean, you could pick any one because if they can consistently get pressure on Stanzi and stop the run, then Iowa's going to really be out, could be out of sync on offense, and that could be an issue. And definitely Nick Foles. If Nick Foles has a huge game and Iowa doesn't get pressure on him, then they could be in trouble because this is different than last year when Arizona came in here mostly looking to run from the quarterback position. Now they're looking to throw. Final score prediction? I know this isn't going to be real popular, but right now I've got Arizona win in 27-24. Or no, 24-23. I've been kind of kicking that around. Would not be surprised if Iowa won. I'm like 51-49 right now. I just can't see this Iowa team going undefeated this year. And the only other games I see them losing would be maybe Michigan and Ohio State. To me, this one has just had loss written all over it since Arizona really started turning things around last year. What will we know about the Hawks after Saturday night that we don't know now? That's a good question. I, that's what's hard to read with Iowa. You can be misled by it. Let's say they come out here and get beat 28-7. to 7. A lot of fans are going to be gloom and doom and think, wow, we were overrated. We're not that good. But really, with Iowa, you got to take it week by week and game by game. What you see now is not going to be what you see three weeks from now if they come out and struggle. But also, on the other hand, if they come out and win... 35 to 7, yes, you've got something special, but you can't just assume that all these other games are going to take them. Iowa, that 05 team was on a roll. Things were looking good, and then boom, next thing you know, they went 7 and 5. So with Iowa, take it week by week and don't read too much into this outcome either way. Just let, just deal with it. If they win, of course, celebrate it, embrace it, and what have you, but just don't assume that everything else is going to take care of itself. And if they lose, don't think it's gloom and doom because they could lose this game and still go on and go 11 and 1. You never know with this team. Any other thoughts? No, I, I just look forward to seeing them playing in a hostile environment. It's going to be interesting to see how these new guys respond. I'm pretty tired. think I'll go home now. HawkeyesMike.com. Just for you, the Iowa fan. All sports, all Hawks, all the time. www.HawkeyesMike.com. Call toll-free 866-74-HAWKS. That's 866-74-HAWKS. Just a reminder that you can participate in our shows by offering your own comments on the Hawks. The toll-free hotline is available 24 hours a day. Just call 866-74-HAWKS and to make your voice heard. Also, visit HawkeyesMike.com, go to the News and Events section, and check the links for up-to-date information on Iowa games, TV channels, the latest Hawkeye and Big Ten videos, and team schedules. Check us out on Twitter and Facebook. And don't forget, you can subscribe to all Hawkeyes Mike podcasts through iTunes. Also, be sure to check out all of the Hawkeye stories, features, and blogs on Hawk Central, Hawkeye Insider, and in the Daily Island. Post game show is brought to you by. Christ, I can't find it. The hell with it. 
Hawkeye's Mike football shows are brought to you in part by Prefens Botanicals Hand Sanitizer, the revolutionary antimicrobial hand sanitizer that is alcohol-free and lasts all day with a single application. Try the hand sanitizer the Iowa Hawkeyes use. And by the Marsh Cook Investment Group, Wells Fargo Advisors Financial Network in Coralville, Iowa. Call 319-512-6261 or toll-free 800-883-0842. Marsh Cook, for all your investment needs. More than 12,000 Iowa fans are expected in Arizona Stadium Saturday night as the Hawkeyes play an Arizona team expected to contend for the Pac-10 title. The game will be televised on ESPN and, among other things, will feature a matchup of two premier quarterbacks and two of the better defensive lines in the country. This is the 13th game in the series, which is tied at 6-6. The Hawks are 2-3 in games played in Tucson, but hold the edge in Iowa City, including last year's 27-17 victory. Seven of the last 12 games between these two teams have been decided by seven points or less. Kirk Ferentz is in his 12th year as Hawkeye head coach with an overall record of 83-55 at Iowa. Former Iowa All-American Mike Stoops is 35-39 in seven years at Arizona, and his team is coming off of back-to-back eight-win seasons. Both teams are 2-0 heading into this contest. The Wildcats once again have considerable team speed, both offensively and defensively. Quarterback Nick Foles runs their triple-threat spread offense, and he ranks 11th nationally in QB efficiency, completing 83% of his passes. Their best receiver is star Jerron Kreider, who is one of of many talented wideouts standing 6'3 or taller. They have a very good running back in speedster Nick Grigsby. Arizona has outscored its opponents in the first two games 93-8. The Wildcats feature a very good defensive line with great defensive ends and a rebuilt but improving linebacker core. And rumors continue that Stoops may install some sort of unconventional defensive set to try to stop the Hawks. The so-called Cheetah Package featuring four big and fast defensive ends lining up in passing situations. Iowa's track record out west in recent history has not been good. The reasons have been discussed at length the past few days. Plus, Norm Parker will miss his second straight game as Iowa's defensive coordinator. Yet, as Kirk said on Tuesday, there will be no excuses if the Hawks don't play well. Ferentz blamed himself for Iowa's poor performance in 2004 against Arizona State in Tempe. You rarely see him fail to make adjustments to prevent history from repeating itself. Witness last January's game in the Orange Bowl compared to Iowa's first appearance there in 2003. So I'm fairly confident the necessary adjustments have been made to give the Hawks a good chance to win this game. Iowa needs to start quickly and execute the offense efficiently, just as it has the first two weeks, pounding the ball and spreading passes to multiple receivers. As always, turnovers and special teams will be key, and the matchup of Iowa's defense against Arizona's speed will once again be critical. Remember, too, this Iowa team has 29 seniors, fourth and fifth year. It also features 22 former high school quarterbacks in various positions. This Iowa team is experienced, deep, and playing with a lot of confidence. Some national prognosticators are picking the Wildcats in this one, but as ESPN's Lee
Lee Corso says, not so fast, my friends. If Iowa is as good as many think they are, they need to demonstrate it by coming away with a victory in this very tough road game. I agree that a loss won't be a season-defining moment for the Hawkeyes, but a victory Saturday night would definitely make a statement. That's right! We can't have anyone freak out out there, okay? We've got to keep our composure! We've come too far! There's too much to lose! We've got to just keep our composure! Shouldn't be another play running this one, though. As this rivalry game for the Cyhawk Trophy is going to stay with the gentleman here in Iowa City. The two head coaches, Paul Rose and uh, Kirk Ferentz, greeting with a handshake. And we found out yesterday a lot of respect between these two guys for each other. Once again, our final score, Iowa 35 and Iowa State 7. Our thanks again to ABC for the game highlights this week. A decent job of capturing the excitement of 2010 Iowa football. And thanks to our regular contributors, Marv Cook and Pat Hardy, along with Sean Patchett. And we look forward to having Rob Howe back next week. We hope you've enjoyed this Hawkeyes Mike podcast, that you'll come back for more, and that you'll participate. By phoning and making your own voice heard, call 866-74-HAW. It's all Hawkeyes, all the time, on HawkeyesMike.com. One passion, many voices. Nice work, everyone. Sharp broadcast. Really good. Everyone on the floor as well. Really a lot of hustle. I liked it. This has been a presentation of Hawkeyes Mike, LLC.